you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church. teaching that we started, I believe it was last week, talking about the name. Amen. Because I'm telling you, how many of y'all know that there's something magnificent about the name? Amen. There is something powerful about the name. There is something that releases power when we speak the name. I tell you, church, there's just something about that name. There's just something about that name. And we need, to, we, need to get, we need to dig into the words so we, so we can understand what that something is about that name. Amen. Because see, there's, 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 there's names that we can speak on, on, uh, all the time, and there's not a whole lot of power that's associated with it. You say, what I'm saying? Listen, listen, listen to this. Ryan Penn. Did, did you feel it? Did you feel it? How, how, about, how about Kimberly? Ooh. How about, how about Pastor Rusty Martin? Okay. Let, 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 me just, let me just stamp it up. Let me step it up a little bit. Kenneth E. Hagan. J.R. Goodwin. T.L. Osborne. Catherine Kuhlman. Amen. All right, can, can you feel it? Ooh, oh, I, you know, how about Howard Carter? Amen. Let's get into this part of the world, right? How about Smith Wigglesworth? Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Huh? See, I'm telling you, when we say these names, I'm telling you, I get, I get pictures flashing in my mind. I get, I get the pictures of their faces. I get pictures of their ministry. I get pictures of what they ministered on. I get pictures of absolute amazing miracles that came through them, that God operated through them. But I'm going to tell you something, church. When I say those names, there's not a whole lot of power that's released on it. There's not a whole lot of power in it. Amen. But there is a power that's released Amen. There is a power they came to, they grabbed a hold of, they had a union, amen, with this power. And then when they begin to release it, listen, amazing things started happening. Amazing things started happening. You know, we, I've been, I've been, I've heard teaching here in recent years that, that it, I think, it, it, I think it's absolutely mad. I mean, I've heard ministers and they, they talk about, you know, when, you know, when people, you know, come up to you and they give you credit for something that you just, just receive that credit, just, just receive it. You, let me give you an example. It's like when you pray for someone. You know, you, you, you pray for someone and healing comes upon their body. The Holy Ghost comes upon them and he completely just heals everything about them. Amen. Then, then you, you meet them after service or you meet them a week down the road. And they're like, they're like, whoo. They're like, Ryan, man, th- thank you. Thank you so much for praying for me. It was amazing. I am the healed of God. It's awesome. You know, and, and what, what would be my first thing I'd say to them is just like, man, God is amazing. God is amazing. His grace is amazing that he bestows upon each and every one of us. He's so good. Amen. But we got these ministers that are saying, no, Ryan, you shouldn't say those things. Just, just receive it. Just, just, say, just say thank you. Thank you. Yeah, why? Because it's your prayer that did it. It's you're the one that will stand in faith that did it. It was your obedience to the things of God that did it. But I'm going to tell you, church, I may, I may be just a little bit old school. Amen. But, but I got a reverence for the king. I mean, I got a reverence. I got, I got an absolute holy fear from God. Not, not that I'm terrified of him, terrified that he's going to come trying to strike me down or anything. No, no, but I have an absolute reverence from him, and I will not attempt to steal any of his glory. Amen. Why? Because it's not me that does it. It's not Claire that does it. It's not Daniel that does it. It's not Pamela that does it. No, it's the Holy Spirit. It's God on the inside of us that goes, and he desires to touch people. He desires to heal people. Amen. 
And praise God that, that, we, that we'll be willing to pray. <laughs> Good Lord. But, but you know, just like in, in Acts when they said, stretch forth thy hands to heal. It, it, you know, what were they talking about? As we lay hands on someone, Lord, you stretch forth your hands through mine to heal these people. Why? Because I can heal no one. We can heal no one. But I tell you, I know who can. Amen. I possess the full power of him living on the inside of us. Amen. I'm telling you, God is good. He is absolutely amazing if we, if we will allow him to do the things that he desires to do, to do through us. Amen. Amen. Remember in, in, in uh, what was that, in Acts chapter 3 last week that we were at? We're, we're here talking about the, uh, Peter and James when they, when they came to the, to the gate called Beautiful. Amen. And there's a, there a lame man sitting there on the ground. He's been there for 40 plus years. Amen. Jesus would have walked by and would have went right past this guy. For 40 years he was sitting there. Amen. And he, and he began to ask for alms from Peter and from, and from uh, Peter and John. Amen. And what happened? You know, Peter, Peter looked at him and said, look at me. You know, don't, don't look in disgrace. Don't look down at the ground. No, look at me. Pay attention because I got something to tell you. He says, silver and gold have I none. He goes, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. I have something that I possess. It's called the name of Jesus. And he said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus, rise up, rise up and walk. I'm telling you, absolutely fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. And then what happened? The guy got up, he, he reached down, he grabbed a hold of his hand, pulled him up to his feet, and the guy began to walk. The guy began to jump. He began to leap. He began to run around. And what happened? It began to draw attention, right? So people came, and they, they, they came, and they, they started looking at him. And Peter, this is, this, is, this is what we need to focus on here. What did Peter say to him here in, here in, uh, in, in verse 12? He said, why do you look earnestly upon me? As though it was, it was my own power, like I possess some kind of supernatural power that could heal this man. Why are you looking at me? Why is it, why is it you, you, that you look at me like I have some power or I have some super holiness? I'm holier than everyone else. This is, this is why these things took place. He goes, why are you looking at me? And, in verse in six, and down in verse 16, it says, it was his name and through faith in his name that this man has been made whole is his name and faith in his name that this man has been made whole. Glory to God. It was in his name, church. How many of you know there, there's power in that name? It says, in his name and through faith in his name. I'm telling you, church, he didn't say, it's through my name. It's through the name of Peter. He didn't say it's in through the, the name of Brother Hagen. I'm telling you, I have utmost respect for Brother Hagen. But I'm telling you, it wasn't through the name of Brother Hagen. It wasn't through the name of John. But it was through the name of one name, who was as the name of Jesus. It was the name of Jesus. And not just the name, it was through faith in his name. See, that's where God desires to work with us. It was in his name and then faith faith in his name, attaching our faith to that name, you know, yielding to what that name represents, church, is why power was released and healed that man. It's the same reason why power gets released today and heals people. And I'm telling you, I've seen too many miracles taking place. And listen, it's always done by one form or fashion. You say, what is, how is it done? It's done by the name of Jesus, amen? Being in union with that name, trusting in what that name means. And then the Holy Spirit goes to work, amen? What does he do? He purges out anything that's not of him. Why? Because God is that good, amen? God is that good. So what does that name represent, church? 
What does that name represent? We talked about this. You know, his name, the name of Jesus is not a cuss word. Amen. It's not a curse word. Amen. It's not, it's not a name that we, that we use out of frustration. I mean, that's not, that's not what the name stands for. You know, listen, church, if we want to see power in his name, we better mind, we better, we better learn how to honor that name. Amen. If we want to see power released when we speak it, you better learn to honor it. Amen. And respect that name, respect what it stands for. It's not a curse word. It's not a, it's not a magical word. Amen. It's not a, a magical word. It's not like abracadabra that you, that you tag on the back of, a back of a statement. Woohoo! Everything's going to take place. All my desires are going to come to pass just because I put the magic word at the end of a statement. No, it's not a magic word. It's not a magic word. What does it represent? Well, listen, church, if we're going to learn how to use that name, we better learn why or how it got its power. Amen. If you want to learn how to release the name of Jesus in power, we better know, we better get a foundation of where the power actually comes from, how it actually got that name of power. All right. Now, listen, I've studied, I've studied after E.W. Kenyon. I've studied after, after Brother Hagen for years. And I'm telling you, I've got, I've received a revelation, amen, through their teachings by the Holy Spirit of what this name means. I just don't have knowledge on it. It's a revelation. Meaning the Holy Spirit dropped down what some, someone else was teaching, a revelation they gave to them. He dropped that down into my heart, just like, just like I'm believing God that he'll drop these things down in your heart and it'll become a revelation to when you begin to speak these things, something begins to happen. Hell begins to start running from you. Devils start running. Why? Because you have the revelation of what the name means. Amen. Now listen, to, to, to gain a name, to gain a name or to gain a title here on this earth. It is gained by, by three different ways. If we're going to serve in a kingdom, we're going to serve an empire, amen, to, to gain a name that has authority, that possesses power and authority. Listen, church, you get it by one of three ways. You say, how is that? You get it by birth. Amen, you can get it by accomplishment. Or you can get it by being conferred upon you, being given unto you, bestowed upon you. It's the three ways we can get it. Amen, you say, you say how do you get it by birth? Listen, it's just like... It's just like we're, you know, we're in the United Kingdom here. We, uh, are, we have a new king, right? King Charles, amen, has been, has been placed in position. Now, how many of you know King Charles, he did not work to become king? Hmm? He didn't have to, he didn't have to go, you know, you know, defeat, you know, and conquer different nations. He didn't have to, he didn't have to go beat up anyone. He didn't have to, he didn't have to go steal it or murder someone to, to get that title. How did he get the title of king? He inherited it. He received it by the very blood that was flowing through his veins. He received it because he was the, el he was the eldest son, I believe. He was the eldest son. So, so what happens? It got, it got, he inherited this name that is above every name in the United Kingdom. I mean, he is the king. He inherited it. He didn't have to win it. He didn't have to fight for it. It just got put in his lap. It just got put in his lap. Amen. Now listen, you can get it, you can get it by inheritance. You can also get it by accomplishments. See, back in the days, in our archaic kingdoms, what, you know, if you had a leader, you had a warrior that was, that was, that was loyal, that, that would fight, that had no fear, that he would protect the name of the nation or the empire at all costs, you know, what would they do? They would knight them. Amen. They'd knight them and say, you know what? Now you're going to be of nobility. You're going to be, you're going to be of a high standard. People will begin to listen to you because of the name I'm giving you. And they would knight them. They would, they would bring them into nobility. They would be sirs, right? Because of what? Because of the accomplishments they've had, right? So you can get it by birth. You can get it by your conquering accomplishments. 
you can also get a name that has authority being bestowed upon you. Now, the best way I know to describe this is uh, like in, in the church environment, right? In the church environment, there's, there's many ministers, there's many pastors, there's many preachers all over the world that, that have the name doctor conferred upon them, bestowed upon them. You say, what does that mean? They never went and took a the, the theology course and never got, received their doctorate in divinity, amen? But some people that, that were able to pass that out, they recognized the knowledge, they recognized you know, the foundation they had, and they conferred it upon them. They said, you know what, I'm going to give you this diploma, Claire. I know you didn't take any of the classes, but I recognize, I recognize that you operate in this. I recognize that that you're a doctorate of divinity. I recognize that you have a doctorate of theology. I I recognize those things, so I'm I'm just confirming it upon you. I'm giving it to you as a gift. Amen. Now, these are the three ways you can receive this in the natural I'm going to show you here, and, pray, and probably here in the next couple weeks, amen, because I doubt I'll get through it all today. But, but listen, church, that Jesus, he didn't receive it by one or the other. Jesus received his name by all three. He received it by an inheritance. He received it by his accomplishments. He, he was a conqueror. He received it as, as it was bestowed or conferred upon him, amen? So let's analyze this name of Jesus. Let's analyze it, and let's see, let's see what is in this name that when it gets spoken, that darkness trembles. That when this name gets spoken, that diseases flee. That when this name gets spoken, I'm telling you, devils start shivering, you know, let's see what's about this name. Now, we're going to first jump into to Hebrews chapter 1 here. And as you might guess, you know, we're, we're, going to, we're going to talk about the inheritance first. Why? Because as being a, a son of God, Jesus, Jesus received this name by inheritance. Amen. But, but I'm about to show you some things. And it's not necessarily by the inheritance that you think he received it from. I mean, see, we got to, we got to mind how the Bible begins to lay a foundation for things and not necessarily how things are done here in the natural Amen. Because God sometimes does things different than we do things here, here in this natural realm. Why? Because his thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. Amen. His ways are higher than our ways. So let's go here. Let's go here to, to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. I love this chapter. I love this book. But I, I love this chapter. Y'all mind if we do? Y'all mind doing a little bit of teaching today? Glory to God. I, you know, this, this, this chapter right here likes to get me in teaching mode. So here in, in verse 1 here, it says, God who in sundry or various times and diverse manners, he says, he spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. He says in verse 2, but hath in these last days he spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, and unto whom whom also he made the worlds. I'm telling you, that's a powerful statement right there. God, he said, in diverse times, in the different dispensations, the different ages of times, that he spoke to us in different ways. How many of you know God, you know, when, you, when you're going through the Bible, when you're going from Genesis to Revelation, God spoke to us in different ways. You, know, you, can, look at, you can look at Adam and Eve when they, when they were in the garden. You know, God spoke to them a different way. You say, how did God speak to them? God came down to the earth in the cool of the day, and he walked with them. He walked with them. He talked with them. He communed with them. He, he had face-to-face contact with them when they were in the garden. I'm telling you, I can't wait for that day again. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah, I'll mention that. Now, now this is a little, a little bit of a rabbit trail here, but, but listen, how many of y'all know 
Or how many of y'all have this same vision? You know, see, when I was a little kid, and you hear, you hear Genesis, and God came and walked down, walked with Adam, you know, and, and they were naming the animals. You know, every time I, I think of God coming down in communion, I only see two sets of footprints. You know, I see Adam's footprints, and I see the Father's footprints. I mean, but, but how many of you know it wasn't just Adam? He had a, a rich, young, beautiful wife named Eve. Amen. Why? Because he took, God said it wasn't good for this man to be alone. So he grabbed, he grabbed a rib out of him and then created woman. Amen. So you actually had three sets of feet in there. But see, we, we, we teach on, on, on perichoresis here. We teach on, on the Trinity here, right? The, the mutual indwelling, the, the, the circle dance of communion between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which, which man was in, which Adam and Eve was in until iniquity got placed on the inside of them. And then what did Jesus do? Jesus came to redeem us and bring us back into that. But if that be the case, it wasn't just the Father walking down here or it wasn't just Jesus walking down here. You had the Father, you had the Son, you had the Holy Spirit. All three of them down there walking with Adam and Eve. There's five sets of footprints. And is, that, is that hard to see? I mean, are y'all, are y'all like me? I mean, I, you know, when, when I first started thinking about those things, like, you know, because you know, God, God the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, how many of you know the Holy Spirit, yeah. how many of you know the Holy Spirit has footprints? And you see, he's not an entity. He's not, he's not a, a dust. He is not a, a fog flowing through the room. No, he is a person. This is who Jesus, you know, speaks of him as being in John chapter 14. He's a person, and his name's Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, God is the one that initiates things. The Father initiates things. Jesus administrates things. He speaks things. And what happens? Holy Spirit is, is the God. He is the, he, is the, he is the man. He is always called a him in the, God, in the, in the word. He goes out out and he manifests them. I mean, he, he completes them. I mean, he finishes what the Father, you know, what the Father initiated. Amen. And Jesus began to speak. Holy Ghost manifested. Amen. A powerful, powerful stuff. Amen. And I don't even know why I got off on all that, but listen, he speaks to us in different, in different ways. In the Old Testament times, underneath the law, he spoke by the prophets. Amen. What happened? You know, God didn't speak to the individuals. He spoke to the prophet. He spoke to the man that was, that was serving him, that was coming after him. And he, he spoke to him, listen, Israel wouldn't go to war. They wouldn't, they wouldn't hardly do anything unless they went to seek the prophet first. Why? Because we want to hear from God. So we're going to go to you. You hear from God. And then what happens? They deliver him a message. This is what God said. Thus saith the Lord. Amen. Now, how many of y'all know we live in a different dispensation now? I mean, we don't, have, we don't go to prophets to get a word from the Lord. Thank God prophets can confirm words that the Lord has already given us, but we don't go to the prophets to get the word. We go to Holy Spirit to get the word. We go to Jesus to get the word. This is what it's talking about here. But in, but in these last days, how many of y'all know we're in the last days? He says, in these last days, amen, they've been spoken to us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things. Amen. His son has been appointed heir of all things. In this dispensation of the church, amen, what happens? Jesus speaks to us. Jesus reveals things to us. Whether it's his rhema word, he speaks to our heart. Whether it's the, the leading, the guiding of the Holy Spirit, amen, or whether it's the Logos word, amen, the Holy Spirit lifts off the page and begins to speak to us. Regardless, it is the word of God, which is what? Is Jesus. The word of God is Jesus. It is the word that speaks to us in these days. It is his son. Thank God for that. Praise the Lord. Amen. But, but listen, it says he is the heir of all things. 
It says he has spoken us as, as his son who he had appointed heir of all things. How many know that Jesus is the heir? He is the heir of all things. See, it doesn't say he's just, he's just the heir of heaven or he's just the heir of, of the earth. No, of everything, Jesus is the heir of it. You know, what, what is an heir? What is an heir? You, you can look in, in the Greek here and, and, it, and it means to distribute a lot. To distribute a lot. It means to distribute a title, deeds, legacy, inheritance, or an inheritable estate. Strong's Concordance says that it is getting or receiving by an apportionment. Amen. So we, we, we know what heirs are. Listen, if we, if we have any possessions, if we have any children, depending on how many children you have, it's how many heirs you have. Amen. Back in Old Testament times, it was you had one heir and one heir only. But, but in, in our modern society, we tend to distribute it amongst the heirs, amongst the children. Amen. And he says that he made him heir of all things, by whom he also made the worlds by whom he also made the worlds. Now, if you're like me, when I say who also made the worlds, you're probably picturing the stars and the planets, the moons. But that's not, that's not what this, that's not what this, this it wasn't, it, when it, the word translated world is not necessarily what it means. It means the Greek word aeon. It means dispensations. And yes, yes, Jesus is the is a spoken word that, that spoke out what God desired to be done. Amen. And Holy Spirit went out and he and he started, you know, putting stars in the sky, putting planets and moons and, and created this beautiful earth for us. Amen. But that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about the dispensations. Amen. Jesus, by his spoken word, created dispensations. Amen. Now, what are dispensations? They're, they're allotments of time. Right? Yeah, how many I know there's seven different dispensations? I mean, there's seven different dispensations. We have the dispensations of innocence. What is that? That's when, that's when no sin was upon this earth. That was when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. It was the age of innocence. And then we had the age of conscience after that. What happened, that's when they got kicked out of the, of the Garden of Eden. Now, now, and I'll say that too. Listen, they didn't get kicked out of the Garden of Eden because God hated them or God was mad with them. Amen. They got relieved out of the Garden of Eden. Why? Because God couldn't allow them to eat the, the, the fruit of eternal life for eternity. Why? Because they would live in sin forever. Amen. And he needed, he needed his son to come down here to redeem us, to bring us back into perichoresis. Right? So they had the, the age of conscience where they started doing things by their own thought life instead of being led by Holy Spirit. Amen. That caused a lot of problems. What happened? We know the, the world got flooded because of it, because of iniquity was rampant around the world. And after that happened, amen, we had, we had the uh, dispensation of human government, amen, where man started putting government in place. And we had the Tower of Babel and all these things started coming into existence. And after that, we had, we had the promise. The, the, the dispensation of promise where the promise was given forth to Abraham. Then we had the, the promise, uh, the dispensation of the law which is what well, we all know what the law is, the, Mo the Mosaic law that was given. Then after the law came to an end, after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we came to the dispensation of grace, the dispensation of the church, which we're living in right now. Amen. Then you have one last one. It's the, the dispensation of the millennial kingdom. Amen. Which how many know we're about to step into? Amen. We're about to step into that. Amen. We're, we're, I believe we're in that, that gray mix, amen, between the church age and the millennial kingdom. It's coming, amen, and it's coming, I think, a lot faster than most of us know. Now, let me just mention this. Regarding these dispensations, the things that are unique about it, see, Jesus, when he spoke these things into existence, he framed them. 
You see what I mean? So it's like putting like, like picture frames up on the wall, like that dispensation of consciousness, you know, and the, the, uh, the law, and then, you know, and so on and so forth, you know, of grace and, and the million. There's, there's, there's like frameworks that he, that he put up, uh, that, he, that he spoke into existence. You say, why is that important? Because listen, church, with the power and the authority that the Lord has given us, we can change things within our own dispensation. So we can change things in the dispensation of the church. So we can we can we have authority over Satan. We can push back darkness. We can we can you know speak life into people. We can speak death. You know, there's things we can do in this dispensation. But you can't change anything in a past dispensation, and you can't change anything in the, in the one that's coming. I mean, you can't say, Jesus, I, I really don't want you to come. I don't want you to come set up your throne here. I kind of like partying, having one foot in and one foot out. So, so you can't come here. I speak against you in Jesus' name. You can't come. You can't do that. That's, that's ridiculous. I mean, we can't, we, can't do, we can't affect anything outside of our dispensation. I mean, we can affect and that is another message for another day, but we can't affect things in our own dispensation. Amen. Things can't be manipulated outside of them. Let me, let me move on before I get way off track here. It says, who being, in verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He says he is uh, Jesus. He's saying Jesus is the express image of him, the express image of who? The Father. I mean, Jesus is the replication. He is the, he is the, the, he is the, the one that looks just like, amen, the Father himself, amen. It, it, it always blows me away when people talk about, they want, you know, when you get around Christians, especially ones that have, you know, that doctorate degree and some of these things, they all want to talk about theology, right? They, they all want to tell you about their theology, and what, what, is, what does the word theology mean? It's a Greek word that means anything that has ology on the backside of it means the study of. And so what is it? It's a study of theos. It's a, it's a study of God. That's all, that's all, that's all um, uh, theology means. And they, they all want to talk about their theology and, and what it means and, and what it upholds and how great it is. Let me give you my view. Let me give you my interpretation of theology. Well, let's, let me tell you something, church. There is no view of theology. There is no interpretation of theology. There's only one. You say, what is that? It's Jesus. Jesus is perfect theology. He is the express image of the Father. You want to know who the Father is? Look at Jesus. You want to know what the Father desires to do? Look at Jesus. Amen. You want to know what, what, he, what he loves and what he does not love? Look at Jesus. He is, he is the perfect image of the Father. The perfect image of it. You, there, there, there is nothing hidden. I mean, all you got to do, we just got to look at Jesus. He is the expressed image of the nature of our Father. He says that he upholds. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. Jesus, when, you know, the, the amazing thing about God, you know, when he begins to initiate things and Jesus begins to speak it, when Jesus speaks it, man, it is absolutely finished. It's done. Nothing, nothing can come against it. Nothing can harm it. When he speaks it, power is released. When Jesus speaks, this is where power is released. This is why when we speak, this is where our power is released. I mean, you need to, you need to mind your words. You need to mind the things that come out of your mouth. You know, oh, I just don't have power. You're exactly right. Why? Because this is what you're speaking. It's what's coming out of your mouth. Amen. It is by the word of his power we're made and created in his likeness and image. Amen. We, when we speak, these things come to existence. He says he upholds all things, not just a few things, 
all things. By what? By the word that was spoken out of his mouth. Oh, I'm telling you, church, that's powerful. I heard a preacher you know, one time say this, that, that Jesus is the spiritual glue that holds everything together. The spiritual glue that holds everything together. Now, now I heard this report years ago. I don't know, I don't know where, where medicine is or science is nowadays. But they said if you go down into the smallest, the smallest, I don't know if it'd be a cell or the smallest atom or whatever it is in the human, they said it's almost like the, the, the parts on the inside of this ball, it's like a magnet. They're pushing against each other. They're pushing away from each other. But they don't know how it all stays intact. You know how it stays intact? Because Jesus spoke. Amen. Jesus spoke and he created these things. Amen. And they have no choice. It doesn't matter if there's no boundary. It doesn't matter if there is a boundary. When things were spoken into existence, it can't change. How many of y'all know what cancer is? It's when one of these things start going against what God's created in the body. Amen. It's, it's, it's a curse. It's something we need to speak against. Amen. To where they can get delivered. Called death into those things. Why? Because they don't belong in your body. Amen. I mean, Jesus, he spoke as by the word of his power. He upholds all things by the word of his power. This, uh, this is, uh, it always makes me think of this, uh, this message here of John, o uh, Pastor, the late Pastor John Osteen, when, before he passed away, he used to preach this message, you know, talking about the, the power of the spoken word. Amen. And God, God spoke the boundaries of the sea. Amen. And when the seas, when they come forth, they may come forth and flood things, but they're going to have to recede. They may come forth, they may, they may crash over and flood, but then they're going to have to recede. Why? Because God spoke a boundary in existence. He says, the waves are coming up, a storm is out on the mist. You know, your circumstance, problems, sickness, whatever, that, that, the storm's coming up and it's coming up, it's crashing onto that seashore. But you got a little grain of sand that's sitting there on that seashore. And he goes, no, I command you to go back in the name of Jesus. You have to go back to your boundary. And what is that big, powerful monsoon of a wave does? It starts shrinking back. And it goes back to its boundary. Why? Because there's power in that word. There's power in that word. Listen, I, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, church. And I, I ain't going to try to offend somebody, anyone in here. But listen, church, I think it's absolute nonsense. Absolute not. Well, I'm pretty good at offending people, so I'll just let it go. Anyhow, listen, listen, it is absolute nonsense when we're talking about global warming. Absolute nonsense. You say, why is that? Because God spoke into existence the boundaries, and they cannot be moved. You say, well, the, the scientific evidence, man, shows that the earth is getting warmer. Well, the earth may be getting warmer. I'm not denying that. Amen. But what I will tell you is it's going to have to cool back down. Amen. The, the ice caps, the polar ice caps are not going to melt and flood this island. And the only thing that's going to be alive in the middle of this island is right in the Midlands. That's not going to happen. Number one, because I'm in this city. That's not going to take place. Amen. It can't take place. Why? God spoke these things into existence. Amen. They may rise up. It may get warm. It may get cold. But it's always going to go back to his boundary. Why? Because Jesus spoke it. Because Jesus spoke these things into, uh, into existence. I'm telling you, you know, God is not as foolish as we think he is. Oh, God, man, he sure messed up when he put all of those, all of those uh, you know, natural resources in the ground for us to use. You know, he, he really messed up because we're going to destroy the earth. You're not going to destroy anything that he created. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean that we need to be irresponsible. I mean, this isn't, this isn't a reason for us to get irresponsible. We're, we're, we're supposed to be stewards of this earth. He, 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 he created this earth. He handed it to human, uh, humanity. 
And he said, he said, take care of it. Keep it in order. Have authority over it. We need to mind things. Amen. We need to look after what we're doing. We don't need to be irresponsible here on this land. But I'm going to tell you what, church, I'm not, I'm not going to ever get into agreement with the irresponsibility of our governments. Amen. That want to push, that want to push these things where you can't even heat your house. You can't even buy our natural resources. You can't afford to do these things in the name of, of saving the environment, church. You're not going to save it. It's already saved. Jesus saved it. I mean, Jesus saved it. Amen. This, this is the goodness of our God. Maybe we just need to use a little bit of common sense. Amen. A little bit of faith towards the things of God instead of just, instead of um, becoming, becoming tree huggers. Amen. Becoming tree huggers and allowing trees to become an idol in our life. Amen. Allow Jesus to, to sit on the throne of our lives. I'm telling you, church, it'll keep us, it'll keep us in the right direction. Amen. Okay. I'll prove that out to you. I'll prove. Put, stick your, keep your finger there in, in Hebrews. I told you this chapter, it makes me, it makes me want to teach things. So, so go with me here. We're going to prove that. I'll, I'm going to give you some verses here so you can stand on that. Even these people on live stream there say, oh, I don't know about that, Pastor, man. He, he hates the environment. He hates the world. No, I don't hate the world. I love the word of God. Amen. Now in Proverbs chapter 8, in Proverbs chapter 8, you can look here. And in verse, let's just start here in verse 27. It says, when he prepared the heavens, he says, I was there. When he set a compass about the face of the depth, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, he goes, when he gave the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth. Ooh, I'm telling you, that's powerful right there. There in verse 29, let me read it out of the Amplified here. Maybe it'll make a little more sense to you. It says, when he gave the sea its limit and its decree that the water should not transgress across its boundaries. He commanded and when he appointed the foundations of the earth. Amen. That, that's one. Uh, mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Let's go over here to, to, to Psalms 104. Psalms 104. Let's start here in, in, in verse 5. It says, Who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever? He says, you covered us with the, with the deep as, as a garment. The water stood above the mountains. This is talking about before God began to speak into the water and made, him, and made, it, made it go back and the, and the land came forth and he gave the atmosphere. He says, who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever. He goes, you covered us with the deep, with the water as a garment. The water stood above the mountains. At thy rebuke they fled. At thy rebuke they fled, and the voice of the thunder it hasted away. It says, they go up into the mountains. They go, they go down by the valleys into the place where you have founded them. They were set as a bound, as a boundary, that they may not pass over, that they may not turn again and cover the earth. I'll read that out of the Amplified in, in verse 9. It says, you have set a boundary for the waters, which they may not pass over. They may not turn again to deluge or flood the earth Again, I'm telling you, church, this is powerful. This is the word of God. See, that's why you don't, you don't need to get force-fed everything that the news is trying to tell you. You don't need to be force-fed some things that preachers are telling you around the world. What you need to get force-fed is the word of God. It is our boundary. And I'm telling you, it will make things so much easier on you. Hey, Amen. It'll, so it'll make things so much easier on you. You can go buy turf and burn it in your fireplace. Hey, Amen. You, 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 can, you can actually have a fire and don't have to worry about killing Bambi. Amen. It's not going to happen. Amen. Now, we don't need to be irresponsible. 
Amen. But 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 listen, church, we, we need to, we need to you know believe what the Lord of God what the Lord God has to say. I mean, people say, are you going to believe the scientific evidence? Uh, are you going to believe the word over scientific evidence? I say, absolutely yes. 100% yes. 100% of the time. Why? Because facts, evidences are subject to change. But the word of God, it shall never change. It'll never change. I'm telling you, I've seen facts that cancer is in people's body. I've seen facts that tumors are on people's necks. And I've seen those facts change as hands went upon them and they absolutely disappeared. Facts will change. Facts will change. The word, it will never change. It will never, ever change. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It says here back in Hebrews chapter 1, what verse are we in here? It says uh, in verse 2, it's, we're only in verse 2. It says, and, and he has been heir of all things by whom he had made the worlds. In verse 3, who being the, the brightness of his glory, the express image of his persons, upholding all things by the word of his power. And when he sat down, and when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. How many of y'all know that, that Jesus sat down? Jesus is sit. He is sat. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And this is, this is where Jesus is. Holy Spirit's down here with us. Amen. But Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Why is he sitting? Why isn't he standing? Why isn't he commanding? Why aren't all these things happening? Because when Jesus, when Jesus died, when he jumped up on that cross, they buried him in the tomb. He went down the pit of hell and he got raised up after he conquered hell. You know what happened? You know, he, he sat down. Why? Because everything he did was completed. I mean, it was full stop. It was done. So he sat down and then he gave authority back over to man and said, now you have back dominion over this earth like I, like I originally planned. Amen. This, this is where we're at. So in, verse, so in verse 4, let's pick it up there. It says, being made so much, being made so much better than the angels. This is where we need to pay attention to. Being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels that he said at any time, You are my son, this day have I begotten thee. Or again, I will be unto him a father, and he shall be unto me a son. And again, when he brings in the first begotten into this world, he saith, Let all of the angels of God worship him. Let all of the angels of God worship him. What did that say there in, in, in verse 4? It says, By inheritance he attained a more excellent name. Oh, church, by his inheritance. This is one of the ways Jesus inherited that more excellent name. I'm telling you, this verse is absolutely crucial to understanding how, how, Jesus, how, Jesus, under, how Jesus received this name and by inheritance, amen? So how did he receive it by inheritance? Did he receive it inheritance when he was on earth? Did he receive it by inheritance when he was in heaven? You know, where, where, where did this inheritance take place? Hmm? Well, if he, he, couldn't, he couldn't have received it when he was inheritance, uh, uh, when he was up in heaven with the Father before he came down to the earth, could he? He had, he, had the power for, he had the power over all things. He was the one that spoke and created everything that we see. Amen. He already had all the power. He, did, he didn't need more power. He didn't need a name above everything because he had everything at the fullness of his hands. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, that are visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers. All things were created by him, and all things were created for him. Church, you need to grab a hold of that. All things were created by him, and all things were created for him. 
Jesus is the one that created all things. And they were created by him, and they were created for him. Listen, church, he had access to everything he needed while he was in heaven. When, when everything got created, he didn't, he didn't need the inheritance, right? So when did he get it? When did he receive this inheritance? Was it when he was upon the earth? If he didn't get in heaven, well, did, was it when he was on this earth, when he was operating, when he was birthed on this earth? Is that, is that when he received it? Well, listen to one of my favorite verses here in, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6, 7, and 8. It says, for, for who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. See, when he says he being in the very form of God, him being the exact image of God, exact image of the Father, he didn't think it was the opportunity to rob the Father of his authority, of his, of his stature, of his place. He says, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the, uh, the form of a servant and made himself in the likeness of man and being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself unto death even death on the cross. Wherefore God so highly exalted him. Amen. He, he humbled himself. Listen, when Jesus came, and when he came down from, from heaven into this earth through the womb of a woman, listen, it says that he humbled himself. Amen. He took upon himself the form of a servant, made himself in the likeness of man. Amen. It wasn't, it wasn't on earth where he got this name. Amen. See, see, I think a lot of us get these things confused. We think when Jesus came down here, he was operating as God on this earth. He wasn't operating as God on this earth. Jesus left. He didn't, he didn't leave. He was 100% God. He was 100% man. Amen. You know, that makes 100% some way or the other. Amen. But listen, he was 100% God, 100% man. But when he came down to this earth, he wasn't operating as God on this earth. He was operating as a man in correct relationship with his God here on this earth. Why? Because he was showing you what you're going to be doing after he leaves this place. See, if this isn't the case, you got to rip out John chapter 14 and throw it into the bin. Why? Because Jesus said in verse 12, listen, the same works I do, you're going to do also, Daniel. The same works. Even greater works than these you're going to do because I'm going to the Father. I'm giving you this ability. Now, if Jesus did it as God on this earth, how in the world are we supposed to do these things? I'm not a God. I mean, maybe, maybe some of you may, there's a lot of people who think they're gods, but listen, they're not gods. Amen. How do we do these things? You do it by the name. You can only do it by the name. You can only do it by the authority that Jesus has given us. Amen. So, so when did he receive this inheritance? If it, wasn't by, if it wasn't in heaven, it wasn't when he was born here on earth. When did he receive it? Well, the clue here is in verse 5 in Hebrews 1. Well, back up to verse 4, it says, By inheritance he, he obtained a more excellent name than them. He says, For unto which of the angels did he say at any time, You are my son this day. Everybody say this day. This day, he says, I have begotten you. This day, I have begotten you. Now, now let's, let's, let's jump onto that because that, that is our explanation. Go to, go to Acts chapter 13. In Acts chapter 13, Start here in verse 28. Now this is when, you know, uh, this is when Paul and Barnabas, they're, they're off traveling around on their missionary journeys and, and he's given, he's preaching the gospel on the people right now. And he says, and though they found no cause of death in him, you, talking about the Jews, you desired that Pilate, that they should, uh, should slay him. And when they had fulfilled all that was written to him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in the tomb. He says, but God had raised him from the dead. And he goes, and when he was seen of many days, 
of them which came up from Galilee to Jerusalem, and there are witnesses even unto these people. He says, and we declare, we declare unto you with glad tidings that the promise which was made unto the fathers. Check this out here in verse 33. He says that God hath fulfilled the same unto their children, that in he raised up Jesus again. And as it is written in the Psalms, in the second Psalm, you are my son this day, this day. When, when, when was he a son? This day. He goes, I have begotten you. When did he, when did he get begotten? When, when did he become this day? Was he, was he begotten and received that inheritance? It was the day of his resurrection, church. It wasn't while he was walking down here on this earth. It wasn't when he was up on that cross. It was when God raised him from the dead. Why? Because the word says it. Amen. When he was raised from the dead, this is where he received his inheritance. Now listen to me very, very, very clearly because this is important. Jesus, Jesus received this name by inheritance. Amen. Inheritance when he jumped upon the cross when he received your sin, when he received your iniquity, when he received your sickness, when he received your disease, when he received the curse upon him, he received it there. Then then what did he do? He went down, like we said earlier, he went down and he conquered death. He conquered darkness. He conquered Satan. Amen. And then what? This day. The father said, this day. Because you've fulfilled everything that I've asked you to do. This day. This day, I've begotten you. This day, you're going to receive the inheritance. This day, you get to receive that name. When? When he was raised from the dead. This day, the Father says, I've begotten you. I'm telling you, that's powerful, church. That's powerful. Go go on. Go on. We'll, We'll close up here. It says here in verse 34 out of Acts 13. It says, and as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption. Ooh, church, I'm telling you, if you can get a revelation of this, you would jump up off those seats and start running around this building. See, this day when he said, you are my son, this day in the resurrection, now you are my son, he says, and concerning that he had raised him up from the dead, no more, no more to return to corruption. Death has no more a hold of him. He cannot return to these things any more, any longer. Death has no grip upon Jesus anymore. Oh, come on, church. Death, it has no power over Jesus anymore. See, our problem is we think of death sometimes. We, we only think of it like a corpse laying on the floor. That's, that's probably the least of what it talks about death in the Bible. I mean, there's a, there is a physical, there is a natural death where you become a corpse, but, but it also talks about a second death that we can have at the judgment of, of the Father, at the white throne judgment, if, we're not, if we are not written in the Lamb's book of life. There is a second death that will take place. That's the eternal death. But most of the time in the scriptures when it's talking about death, when you see that word death, it's the Greek word uh, thanatos in the, in the New Testament. It means a separation from God. It's a, it's a spiritual death. I mean, see, see, what does that mean? Jesus, he can't taste a spiritual death any longer. I mean, he got separated by a spiritual death when he received your sin, when he received your curse. Every wrong thing that you've ever done, everything you've thought, every curse that Satan had to put on you, when he received it, he said, I'm going to take it all, Father. I'm going to take it all upon myself. No one else, no one else is going to have to pay the price for this anymore. I'm going to do it. You know, the Father raised him up. He said, you're never going to have to taste spiritual death again. You're never going to get separated. You say, why? Why is that so important, church? Because in Romans chapter 8, verse, 
verse 17, it says, if you are heirs with Jesus, if we're heirs, we're co-heirs with him. We're co-heirs. We, we have the same inheritance that Jesus has. What does that mean? Death has no power over you. It has no power. Death, it has no power. Sickness, it has no power over you. we got to get to the place that we trust the Scriptures, trust what Jesus has done. This is why he received that name. Church, it's such a big deal. It's a big deal. I mean, these things, it used to, it used to have power over you. There is some, you used to not be able to do anything about it. But I'm telling you when, you, got, when you have the Redeemer on the inside of you, when you got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, you got Jesus that has the name that is above every name that suffered your spiritual death and no one else can put it upon him again. Oh, church, it can't, again, it can't come against you anymore. So what happens when something tries to come against you? When Satan says, oh, you know what? You're not going to heaven. You mess us up. You know, you, ha, 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 devil. You are a liar from the pit of hell. Sickness tries to come upon you. says, oh, you you got to zit this. You deserve to say, no, ha, 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 devil. Death, death cannot come upon me. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, he rules, he reigns, he quickens these mortal bodies in Jesus' name. Yes, 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 yes. You, you may or you may not taste, taste a physical death. You may or you may not. You say, what does that mean, you may or may not? You may get taken up in the rapture. I mean, you may not have to taste for uh, spiritual, uh, physical death. You may be like uh, Enoch, and you get so intimate with God, you may just walk on over. I mean, you may be like Elijah, and you just, you just get raptured up in, 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 a, in a fire, in the fiery chariot. Amen. You're, you, may, you may taste physical death. Amen. You reach 100 or 110 years old. Amen. If the rapture of Jesus so tarries. But I'm telling you one thing you don't ever have to taste. You'll never have to taste it again tasted it once but you never have to taste it again jesus purchased it he purchased it for you and it never it'll never come back against them glory to god hallelujah hallelujah this is this is what it's like to be welcomed back welcome back into perichoresis this is what it's like to be welcomed back into the midst of the father and the son and the holy spirit we have everything that the Father destined for Jesus has been placed in your hands. So I'll end, I'll end with this verse for you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 55 to 57, it says, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? Where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law, but thanks God, thanks be unto our God, thanks be unto Yahweh, who have given us the victory through his Lord, through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, church, you are not going to be victorious. You already are victorious. You're already victorious over sin. You're victorious over death. You're victorious over sickness. All because, all because he inherited the name. All because he inherited the name. Amen. And I'll end with I'll end with that, and we'll get on the next two in, in the weeks to come. But I'm telling you, thank, I'm thankful for the name, church. We got we got to come to this revelation, and I'm telling you, it will change your life when the adversary comes and tries to poke his nose in your business. It'll change your life. But we got to receive it. We got to operate in it. So, Father, I thank you. Woo.
Woo, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the name you've been given to Jesus. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for your humility, your, your willingness to come, to, to step up on that cross, to be the perfect spotless lamb of God for us, to receive our sin, to receive our iniquity, to receive our death. Lord, we never have to, we never have to partake with it again. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord uh, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for giving us Holy Spirit. Lord, our comforter, the power, our confidant. Lord, our leader, our guider, our director. Lord, the, the, one that, the one that speaks to us, the one that leads us in everything that we do. Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you, Lord. These things were, were all made possible because of the name of Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your name. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, teach us, to, teach us to honor that name. Teach us to, to honor what it represents. Teach us to honor what it stands for. So we can truly be, we can truly be the, the sons and daughters that, that the Father desires us to be here on this earth. That we'll chase forth everything that's not of you. Lord, we glorify you for it. We thank you for it, Lord. And Lord, as we exit out of this place, Lord, we speak forth words. We, we stand on Psalms 91. We say that no evil will befall us, neither shall any plague come to our dwelling place, Lord, for you give your angels charge over us. Lord, to protect us in all of our ways, Lord, to keep us. Lord, we're protected in everything that we do. We're protected in every means of travel. We're protected down the, the railways, the seaways, the airways, Lord, the motorways, Lord. Even as we're walking down the walk paths, Lord, we are protected of God. No wicked plan from a wicked man or the devil himself shall come against us or harm us in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. Why? Because we're people that are dedicated to, to being submitted into the, into the secret place of the Most High. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We say to you are our refuge, you are our fortress, you are our God. It's in you and you alone who we trust. We don't trust in chariots and horses, or we trust in you. We trust in you. So we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for me. Thank you, Lord, for the righteous labor of our hands. Lord, thank you for the jobs that you've blessed us with. Lord, may they be a ministry opportunity for each and every one of us, Lord. Set up, set up, set us up, Lord, we can pray for the sick. Set us up so we can introduce people into you. May they be our mission field. May it be our mission field. For we're, we're at these places for a purpose and a time such as this. Lord, we thank you for it, Lord. We glorify you for it. Hallelujah. May we be a miracle in someone's life. Lord, this week, someone's praying for something. They're praying for healing. They're praying for finance. They're praying for something. Lord, we, may, may you make us that miracle in somebody's life this week. May we absolutely wreak havoc in, the, in Satan's life. May we wreak havoc in his kingdom. Lord, we thank you for this church. We thank you for the ambassadors of Christ. You've called each and every one of us to be thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We are covered by the blood. We are empowered by your word, and we are anointed by your Holy Ghost. Amen.